G'day everyone, it's Craig from People With A Passion. Today I'm joined on Skype from uh, Northern Queensland by Brady Wormsley of the Wormsley Advantage. How are you going, Brady? Yeah, good, Craig. Thanks for having me, mate. Yeah, no worries, mate. I appreciate you giving your time. We're shooting this a little bit later at night too when it's a little bit quiet. So uh, you just put the little ones down to, to bed and now you're uh, back to business at 10.30 at night, mate. Yeah, that's the way it goes a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, so uh, we were discussing that your passion has been to build a a business uh, and you're just turned 31 years old or you're 31 and you've had a, a relatively broad life experience already which has sort of put you in this position to start the Walmsley Advantage. So let's talk a little bit about some of the things you've done and how they come under the umbrella now of the Wormsley Advantage. So let's start with uh, you know finishing school and, and we'll start there and what sort of career path you've taken since then. Yeah, cool. So uh, probably a good place to start. So um, look, ultimately as, as a, a young person, I was heavily involved in, in basketball and um, originally that was a, as a player, but um, at the age of 15, I got involved um, due to injury as a coach and I suppose my um, my leadership passion and my my passion for managing people started at fifteen, um, and my career journey, as you mentioned, is quite vast. Um, I guess the the key milestones are, you know, attending uni and I'm um, ultimately joining the police force in Queensland for for five years, where I was fortunate to work across a, a number of different policing areas. Um, have worked in basketball full time in high performance with with basketball Queensland and. Um, currently working for Gladstone Regional Council as the community engagement specialist, um, all the while coaching coaching teams and, and high performance teams at that all the way through. So um, you're right, varied experience, but but ultimately um, has led me to um, being able to create and launch a business called the Wormsley Advantage that um, offers a number of different services. So one of the things you mentioned there is PCYC, and I. I have and do work with the PCYC down here in southeast Queensland and uh, in their youth crime prevention programs. So what was your role with the PCYCs and how do you see your experience drawn from that um, that's going to come under the umbrella of the Wormsley Advantage? Yeah, look, I think it's uh, my experience in PCYC is sort of central to my um, any sort of ability to run a, run a small business that I that I have today I guess and um, while I was in the police I was very community minded with the way I went about my policing career and um, for those that don't know the the sergeant police officer is the branch manager at the PCYC working with civilian staff so um, upon getting into the police and um, having done my first 12 months it was really clear that my business interest and my sporting background um, culminated in, in an ability to do those sort of roles and um, I was really lucky that I got opportunities in the police to to branch manage PCYCs in Innisfail, Townsville and, and Palm Island and um, certainly any breadth of experience I've got, um, that was probably the platform for it. Yeah, so from that role you would have, I imagine, been doing things like event management and that's one of the things that have come under the umbrella of your new enterprise. Um, so, you know, what other things directly relate to what you can deliver as part of this new project that you've taken on as, as 
as a self-employed individual, when you've been in a system where you've been employed, that's a big step. And, and at the age of 31, it's a big step and obviously something you've always wanted to do. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, I've sort of taken a couple of pretty big career steps and have been fortunate to be brave enough to do it. And one was leaving the police to, to work in basketball full time. And um, the other one was leaving basketball full time, which was a dream job of mine to to get some more strategic experience working for council. So um, I haven't been shy in making those tough calls. And, and I guess this is the road that that's led to. But um, as it relates to PCYC, look, the business that I'm currently launching at the Wormsley Advantage delivers guest speaking, sort of emceeing, um, strategic planning, motivational speaking, a lot of leadership and career coaching stuff. There's, there's quite a few strings to the bow. And um, I guess as a PCYC branch manager, um, sort of the foundations of all those things are um, intertwined with with managing those those branches. And um, that's event management, it's program delivery, it's strategic planning. Ultimately, PCYCs are strategic commercial businesses that need to raise revenue. So um, I guess that was a really good platform for me. Um, and the rest of my professional career, I've been um, chasing opportunities to round that out and um, have been fortunate enough to find them. Sure. So for my international audience, I would say that the PCYC actually stands for Police Citizens Youth Club. So I guess the comparison would be similar to a YMCA type structure. You were involved in the management of, of one of those organisations and obviously the skills that you've drawn from that experience are relevant given it is, like you say, a business. So what are some of the other things that you're passionate about that you're going to be driving and bringing into the business? Yeah, look, I suppose the sort of the core, the core elements of what the Wormsley Advantage will do um, is in guest presenting, uh, conversation hosting, that, that type of emceeing, um, and a version of, of leadership coaching. And um, I guess my main driver has been in the leadership space. And, um, you know, we mentioned a, a long um, career in coaching and quite an intense commitment to being a coach. But um, ultimately, while I was working in basketball, my, my interest in that was in leading people and managing people. And um, I could have done that in my interest would have been the same in any sport. Um, and I guess I'm in a position now where uh, whilst I'm young relative to the age of other people doing this, I suppose it's um, the experiences that I've had and the intensity of those experiences um, allow me to feel really confident that there's some lessons that have been learned that um, can be shared and supported with others. Um, and, and I guess that's the, the primary driver of the new business is leadership. So give us some points that you think are important around leadership that you think that if someone's looking to become a leader or whether it be an industry leader as an organisation or a leader as an individual, what are the sort of uh, things that you think determine like a definition of what leadership is and what you need to have to embrace leadership and become a leader in any space? Yeah, look, a great question. So a couple of elements to that, I suppose. Uh, um, firstly, my interest, I guess, is in this, the subtle elements of leadership, the, the real true um, less defined moments where you can impact people and influence people. I think there's great attention to um, creating leadership environments and sort of the end product but but ultimately if you um have the leadership behaviors right and you're you're consistent with your leadership habits then inevitably that creates the type of environment you want to create so 
I guess the, the subtle, softer elements, the emotional intelligence, um, that, that type of leadership is where my, my primary interest is. Um, I think it's a great question about around the definition of leadership. And I, I'd say, Craig, that most people would give a, a version of this type of answer, which is um, person A influencing a larger group of people to have some level of self-sacrifice to achieve a common goal. I think that's that's largely the definition. And um, whilst true, I suppose, um, I find that a little bit disingenuous. And I guess my motivation around that is that um, I think in a euphoric environment, it's great to have people sacrifice a little bit of themselves to achieve a common goal. But ultimately, that only sits well with people if that common goal is achieved. And there's a a large space in there, a, a, a huge window where people self-sacrifice and the end goal isn't achieved and you're left with um, devastation relevant to people's emotions. So um, I guess I'm focused on being really truthful about what everyone's agendas are and then um, having the leadership confidence to be able to deal with those agendas in their truest form um, and managing people around that. One of the things that I think I liked in that response is actually around agendas and, and to use another term, um, I think transparency around ambition and what the people you lead may well want. Because I, one of the things I see that can destroy organisations is motive that's not clear and people always jockeying for positions and you know that power play that can go on but if people understand what other people's agendas are and it's clear it can actually help everyone move forward and try and achieve things together so that sort of recognition there of of you know have the you know what are the agendas that would help an organization succeed interestingly when i say organization succeed uh i remember my father years ago in a business he had had a pad and on the pad it said and always sticks with me organizations don't succeed people do so ultimately leadership is and, and organization success is around getting people to work together what other uh, things around leadership uh, what other traits or attributes do you think leaders um, should or would demonstrate yeah look so I think um, you've touched on a couple of key ones you know truthfulness honesty a willingness to engage in in, in dialogue that's not always favourable. You know, like I think there's a level of courageousness that's required of leadership and, and not in the traditional, you know, beating your chest, charging off to war sense, but the, the courage to, to stand up and um, have difficult conversations and um, take less credit than you deserve and take more, more blame than should be associated with your performance. I think those are all elements. Um, I, guess, I guess for me... Um, certainly the way I've gone about developing my leadership is there's sort of th three prongs to the things I think are important and that's developing a confidence in your presentation. I, I think um, your ability to present um, your position is vital and it's it's fine to have a position but if you can't articulate that or communicate that then you may as well not have one. Um, secondly, to be really uh, decisive in your action. So, um indecisiveness can be a killer for, for any leadership. And I, I don't mean to rush to decisions um, without being informed, but the stats would say that most CEOs make decisions with 70% of the information. Um, and those are quick calculations and a little bit of courage to, to take the step with only 70% of the information. And, and then I guess ultimately the accumulation of a variety of experiences. Um, 
you know, a, another case study suggested that, um, you know, academic um, prowess and academic achievement allows you to get a job, but it holds very little value once you're in the job. So it's that real combination of um, academic backing, but experiential learning that allows you to get a job and do really well in it. Um, so I guess those are sort of the pillars that that I try to, to govern by and, and encourage others to do the same. Um, and in really simple terms, I suppose my three three approaches are say yes to opportunities, um, prepare to execute. So say yes to every opportunity that comes up as sick as you feel in the stomach, as nervous as you are, as underprepared as you are, say yes, and then figure the thing out so that you put yourself in a position to execute. And when your time arrives, make sure you kick the door down and, I guess those are sort of the things that I certainly have tried to to govern my leadership by, but but I guess those are the driving messages from me. Mm. Have you lived by those yourself? Are they doctrines that you've adopted in the way you've approached the decisions you've made? Yeah, I think so. And I, I guess you get to a certain point where um, it's both conscious and sort of subconscious. Um, you know, I, I have said yes to opportunities Um and I guess a large part of that is being courageous enough to, to have every bit of confidence in your ability to pull it off. But I just know in my experience and that of others, every opportunity that I've said yes to has generally turned out okay. And every opportunity I've said no to, I've generally regretted um, and have felt like other doors haven't opened as they otherwise would have. So I think that's the first one, being brave enough to take the step in the right direction and gather experiences as uncomfortable as they may be. I really like that, the the concept of gathering experiences as uncomfortable as they may be, because a lot of people are, uh, you know don't make a decision out of fear of the unknown. They, they actually don't know what the outcome will be, but they start to guess it, and that can actually limit their ability to make a good decision. So one thing you touched on in that response too was you sort of mentioned accountability. And, and as individuals, I think businesses and also us as just based on decisions, we do make a lot of mistakes and, and in a sporting environment, there's mistake, mistakes being made all the time. How is it, how important is accountability to not only good leadership, but to the success of an organisation? Yeah, look, I think it's um, fundamental to answer your question. And um, I think the makings of a great leader are the ones that are prepared to take on both the additional responsibility that everybody asks for, but in equal measures, the accountability that's associated with that extended responsibility. And and I guess we have a lot of people in the system that want to have more to do, but aren't prepared to take the consequences when things go poorly. And um, I, I guess that's why I talk about bravery and courage, a willingness to step up and, and understand that you've got those level of accountabilities. And um, I think it's, I think it's imperative. And, um, you know, I should reference um, the academic, but back to that um, CEO research, another point in that research was um, that CEOs are more likely to get hired. 45% of CEOs that are hired have had a catastrophic career breakdown. They've misled an organisation. They've, they've had some level of tremor in their career. Um, so 45% of people have leveraged poor experiences as learnings and have then been re-employed. And, and that, that um, research also said that people with one catastrophic career event are more likely to be hired for CEO jobs than people with none. Um, and I think when you look at it like that, these are all learnings and learning opportunities and um, safety isn't sexy in jobs with that level of accountability. So 
you have to be brave enough to, to take some of that on. So business is a risk and the people at the top have to, even if it's like military as well, they have to have a good understanding of, you know, the strategy behind what they're doing so that to avoid or mitigate against risk, but ultimately there is always a risk of failure and the the actual accountability again and, and the weight that goes with that is is what makes great leaders, I suppose. Um, success or failure, it's probably the adversity and how it's overcome that will determine the success of a leader, ultimately, which you sort of alluded to in the statistics of, of the one CEOs that fail, but then go on to get another job at a high level based on their experience. Yeah, I, I think that's yeah a really good a really good summary. And um, look, I, I just think the accumulation of experiences. Back to my original point is um, there are so many scenarios on a day to day basis for any leader that arrives. There's um, not only the leadership functions of your role, but generally when you're in a leadership position, you're responsible for other staff. Um, and and then their experiences too. So there are such a range of responsibilities associated with being good at these positions um, that without having a really good fundamental base, um, it's really difficult to, to do well in managing all the things that come up. So you touched on the portraits of good leadership. What are some of the things you would consider a uh, you know, uh, criteria for a bad leader. What 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 are the sort of things you'd be steering people away from if they're in a leadership role? What do you think's poor? Yeah, look, I you know I think this has probably been well documented, but uh, my personal position is that um, leadership is a you title, but an everybody else responsibility. Um, so ultimately, there's a level of selflessness that is associated with good leadership and. Um, you know, leadership at the top level can be very, very lonely. You you give more credit away than you should. You take more responsibility when things go bad in defence of those that you're charged with protecting and you spend most of your time focused on the emotional safety and security of everybody else, but you don't always have someone that's prepared to do that for you um, in the hierarchy. So I guess it's just um, a level of self-confidence um, that's really important. So if there's any wavering of that, if there's not a genuine authenticity to your personal beliefs and philosophies, I think it makes it difficult to be good. Um, and ultimately, if you make it about you um, and not about everybody else, I think that's the the, the quickest way to um, not deliver as, as well as you could in those types of positions. Mm. So we're talking about leadership or, or it's alluding to leadership probably at a higher end of the, the business spectrum when we talk about CEOs and things like that. But there's a lot of small business owners who employ small numbers of people who technically are leaders. Now, I've worked for a number of small business owners in my earlier years, in my youth, and I've seen them actually sacrifice their income to pay their employees to keep their business going. And those are the sort of sacrifices that people don't always recognise that are required of of a leader that it's it's almost like the captain goes down with the ship in that regard but they still look after now that doesn't work you don't hear that all the time it's not in every situation but but that's the importance i guess of say someone it's not necessarily the big corporates that may necessarily need that consultancy that you're offering 
it could be just a small business with a you know handful of employee employees and they want to make a better work environment so you can work with you know people at a higher end a larger organization or smaller organizations i imagine that you can uh you can what's the word i'm looking for cater for both yeah look and, and i think it sort of circles back to my original point is um, there's just such a variety of responsibilities on the spectrum of leadership, as as you've alluded to, Craig. But um, ultimately, it's about the subtle skills. You know, do you do you understand people? Are you in touch with people's emotions? Do you are you connected to the cause and effect relationships that your leadership style has on other people? And um, that can be a, a sole trader operation that subcontracts to someone to deliver one thing, or it can be to a CEO in charge of. 500 people i think um the spec the, the responsibilities on the spectrum may change but ultimately it's the subtle habits of leadership that that allow you to create good leadership environments so um that i think that should be the focus for all leaders so as far as motivational speaking goes you do motivational speaking and can provide that service what how's what's the process for you as far as motivational speaking goes if someone provides a gig for you, you're, you're going to have a different audience in almost every situation. So, so what what are you saying to the people like around what they want? Are you driving that conversation around this is what I can do for you or are they asking for stuff, something specific or is it both? Yeah, look, I suppose it's, um, I suppose it's elements of both, but, but ultimately if I'm being brought in to deliver a service, it has to be relevant to the needs of the audience. So, um, you know, I guess my service is in offering a confidence in presentation and a and an ability to articulate messages clearly. Um, but those messages have to be on point, and um, you can't do that without the input of the people seeking your seeking your service. So, in that regard, you work. I would work really closely with the organisation or the group or whoever it may be to to get a really clear understanding on. You know, the motivational stuff is generally to generally to redirect behaviours in a more positive, um, affirmative sort of direction. So having an understanding of the elements that are uh, heading that trajectory in the opposite direction are, are really important to be able to reverse it. And you you actually are working a community engagement type role with a council at the moment. Do you want to talk a little bit about that experience and what and being out representing that organisation in the community actually does and how some of those things that you've experienced there may help other organisations? Yeah, look, and I think that's um, my role with uh, Gladstone Regional Council is my employer and it's um, similar to the involvement I've had in bar basketball and in the police and um, it's, it's stakeholder engagement, you know, is, is the central function to, to success in those roles. So my position currently as a community engagement specialist asked me to sort of facilitate facilitate engagement methods and processes um, to ensure that that council is receiving um, accurate feedback um, on the way it's operating from the community and um, look that's that's the same as being a basketball employee working with a number of associations as it is being a, a community-based police officer having to work with other frontline services and members of the community ultimately it's about how can we function and coexist um, in a way that that's best for all of us yeah, so what other services that'll come under the Wormsley Advantage that we haven't touched on? So you've got strategic planning. So 
that's another one. What uh, what do you look at when you you know you're looking at a strategic plan for an organisation? Yeah, um, look, I guess one of the um, approaches with with the business was to to be able to offer a lot of different services. I think that's a bit of a point of separation. Is that you know you have a lot of people working in leadership or um, career coaching or whatever it may be, but to be able to offer the variety of services we can, I think, is an advantage. Um, specifically, strategic planning, I think, um, you know, that can be a really daunting process for for people and organisations. And again, um, strat plans are relevant in, in major businesses, but equally they're relevant for your local volunteer-run sporting group. Um, and, and, you know, it's about understanding what your objectives are and simplifying that in a document that is usable and understood both for you, the committee and your members. And um, I think we get caught off guard expecting strategic plans to be more strategic um, in dialogue and text than they actually are. They have to be understood. They have to be objective. So for those who don't know what a strategic plan may well be, because not everyone works in an environment where they may use sure. one or need one, do you want to explain what a strategic plan actually is? Yeah, look, I think the best way it's sort of been explained to me or, or I've heard it explained is, is a bit of a vision document, really. It's, um, you know, an assessment of where we are um, with an aspirational take on where we'd like to be in a period of time decided by us, so three, five, seven years, whatever that may be. So ultimately it's a vision document that's put together that will allow us to execute these priority behaviours to achieve these type of outcomes over, over this period. And the other thing that you're focusing on is career-type support as well for those that are looking at career change or advancement so what sort of things do you help people with in that regard like what are the sort of areas that you feel that you can help someone advance their career yeah i look i think the um the primary area of involvement for me in that space is um i guess to be as a support in terms of mapping out um pathways um, I think that's a, that's a really important part of it, but but ultimately, I think it's in the space of interviewing for a position. And um, can you sit in front of someone and can you sell your vision on how you will perform in that role in a way that's attractive to them? And you know, a lot of people can put together very very good resumes, um, and a lot of people can be very very good at the job. But um, I think the challenge for a lot of people is in can you interview in a way that that sells that level of belief to the panel that are making the decision. And um, if we get back to that theme about confidence in presentation, I think really that's another subset of, of a lot of the messaging that we're talking about. Who, who do you feel are most likely your customer or client? Yeah, so look, I suppose it's um, mostly aimed in that sort of leadership and guest presenting sort of space. So, um, you know, again, not everybody's comfortable speaking in public, but when you're holding a really serious event, um, it, it's a necessary evil that someone's capable about uh, and willing to do that type of role. So, you know, we're getting a lot of traction with um, with businesses needing MC facilitation. Um, and then in the leadership space, I've, I've been really, really lucky to, to be picking up some work in, in high performance and presenting at high performance conferences around leading high performance teams, but equally getting interest um, as it relates to just the day-to-day -day individual that's an aspiring leader. How do I go from where I am, which is an ambition, um, to where I'd like to be, which is an actual? So, 
I guess those are sort of the types of clients we've got at the moment, but um, ever expanding. So we didn't and haven't touched on the sporting side of things as much, the basketball side, and, and that was by my choice. But we'll go into that a little bit uh, to expand on what we're talking because you because you are doing the MC stuff and the speaking around your experience. So you had a good degree of success in the sporting area. You worked for two years with Basketball Queensland as a high-performance coach, the head of North. You've also yeah. coached teams um, in that two-year period in what's considered the most successful period of basketball in the state. In its, I believe in its history. Um, it's yeah. like very successful in the two years that you've been involved and, and the, the head of South were involved. So do you want to speak to, while you've had that good degree of success and you're also a QBL coach, you've been a women's coach here in, in Gladstone and the head coach there of one of their teams, do you want to speak to what that environment, the sporting environment and the high-performance environment actually offers um, you to then offer your clients? Yeah, look, so thanks for all of that. It's, um, you know, like like I said earlier, I committed to coaching as, as my, my number one passion um, and basketball was a sport of choice, but all along it was you know, the responsibility and leading a group of people. And, um, you know, from, from 15, I was have been tasked with, you know, looking at a group of 10 players and delivering messages and, and being decisive and calling for action. And, um, again, that's a number of accumulated experiences over a length of time, but all of those skills are transferable to, to any realm that you might find yourself leading in and that's um do you understand people do you understand their motivations are you communicative enough to to balance everybody's needs um and certainly that that grounding for me whilst in sport specifically and and i will continue to work in sport because that's my background but but ultimately i, I see those skills as as being transferable so communication is a huge thing in regards to you know sport and all organisations, to be quite honest, one of the things I've seen in my experience is that a lot of things break down when there's poor communication within an organisation. So how important do you think that is to what you're doing and getting that message across? Yeah, it's, it's vital. And I think it kind of um, sort of segues us back to the original point, which was... Uh, you know, that honest dialogue and those really clear understandings of, of motives and agendas are the way to start those relationships um, because you know what someone's trying to get out of their involvement with you, their participatory involvement with you, and you're better armed to, to manage that along the way. And you can understand the potential cause and effect relationship that that potential ambition is going to have on others and then can defend against that. So I think what we're talking about there is like, it's great to picture an euphoric environment where everybody is sacrificing and everybody's limiting their personal ambitions to achieve the company's objectives or achieve the team's goals. But um, we can't allow ourselves to be out of touch with what each proponent of that group is is trying to achieve. Like, mate, if you if you looked at any workplace, there would be people that are there to get promoted. There were people that are there just to get a paycheck. There are people there for a variety of different reasons and. You know, a great example I have, and, and you would have it too, as whatever any other coach is, 
when the worst player on your team comes up to you to talk about playing time and they say all they want to do is win. Well, you know, the honesty of that conversation is if, if you want to win, our best chance at winning is you playing less. Um, but that doesn't sit well with your personal ambition. So we have to be honest with, with what those ambitions are. And I just think if you're brave enough to have that open dialogue and not take it personally, ultimately it prepares you better for, for dealing with those things. Yeah, I, I, because of the sporting analogy you're giving there, that's something that's translatable for me. So I get that in the concept, the, the context of actually having the hard conversations with an athlete. And as a leader, you wouldn't be doing your job if you didn't have the ability to do that. It's, it's your job to have those conversations. In fact, an athlete should be up. The fact an athlete would approach you demonstrates good leadership too. Because if, if you're not a good leader, they're less likely to approach you with a problem. Yeah, you're right. And I think you um, you harness that and you cultivate that sort of relationship by um, being soft and nurturing, but, but also being honest, you know, at the end of the day, whether it's an employee, a player, a coach, a parent, whatever, um, there's just a general level of respect giving, given to someone's willingness to be honest. And that doesn't mean that we always have to agree. Um, but people are savvy enough to know when they're being told what they want to hear as opposed to what your version of the truth is. And, um, I, you know, I think that's that's really important. I, I know as a, a player when I was playing that I, I I was a bit of a hog and I wish that the coach had just come out and told me that. It wasn't until I started coaching later and I thought, you know what, would I have wanted me on the team and was I a good teammate? And in some instances I think I evolved, but early days I would say I wasn't and it probably was why I wasn't getting minutes so so yeah. I wanted an honest conversation I, I want I don't want to be that coach I, I with my players I'm pretty honest because at the end of the day I'm not helping them if I'm not actually advising them of what I believe is to be the case now they can disagree like you say and they can choose to do what they have to do with that but I, I think you know in, a, in an employment environment and a you know from that perspective I I get the importance of uh, around that sort of approach of having hard conversations. Um, the other thing that translates into organisations from sport is, and you touch on a little bit, is building rapport and actually, like you say, being nurturing and soft at times and being hard at the, you know, some tough love at the appropriate times. How and how is it that you build that rapport? Yeah, uh, look, I think... Um in its simplest form, it's it's demonstrating a care for people beyond what they can do for you, and and I think that's a really easy way to put it. Is, um, you know, am I gonna am I gonna demonstrate a level of care for my employees beyond their nine to five? Am I gonna invest in understanding what their personal lives are like? Should they be willing to share that? Am I gonna invest in spending time that isn't work related with them to get to know them better? Um, and and I think you cultivate those the depth of relationship, which ultimately allows you to be more honest with each other. I think it's the superficial relationships that we dance around. Um, so it's just investing in people and, and they have to be accepting of that investment. Not everybody goes to work to be invested in personally like that. But um, as a leader, I think you've got to show an overarching care that extends beyond what you pay somebody to do. And I, I think that's the way you do it. And ultimately you have to be warm, demanding and fair. Um, and your relationship with someone doesn't diminish the expectation that you have. In fact, in many ways, the better you know someone, the more capable you know they are, 
the higher the demands are going to be. And um, without that basis of a, of a really strong foundation, um, it's difficult to drive the standards sometimes. I appreciate your time tonight, uh, Brady Wormsley of the Wormsley Advantage. Uh, and I'll put information in the description for anyone that might want to connect with you, any organisations. And as you evolve, because this is this is a passion for you, you're at age 31 about to embark on a new journey. And I think the important thing about journey is if you look at your life, you can always determine that when you arrive at a certain point in your life, you look back and you go, it almost feels like a glove. But I guess the message that I'm trying to get across by making this statement is that people's journeys aren't set in stone and that when you look back on where where you are now and you look back you can see that all the things failures and successes are all relevant to where you've arrived today and and i think that's that's an an amazing thing to look back and say the pcyc is relevant my basketball coaching is relevant you know my strategic management at a pcyc was was relevant to what you're about to embark on yeah that's a, a really nice summary and probably a, a good way to finish it but i guess that would be true of all of us it's just the way you look at those challenges and those obstacles and how you use them good luck with your new business passion mate i really hope it goes well for you i'm sure it will thanks for your time and the discussion and we'll let people know where they can get hold of you Thank you. Good on you, mate. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for taking time to watch this video. If you enjoyed what you saw, please give it a thumbs up. If you haven't yet subscribed, make sure you smash that subscribe button and also hit the bell button to get notified when new interviews are uploaded. Once again, thanks for joining us and hopefully we'll see you again sometime. Catch you later.